Welcome to episode number 37 of the Circles Off, formerly podcast, but now vodcast, I guess. Don't In, call it that. I know. I like podcast way better. I'm not going to call it that. It's the video podcast. Video podcast. Um, this is the first time that we're recording with video, which will be available on YouTube to our very small following on YouTube right now, but hopefully looking to grow that. Well, we haven't made the channel yet. We fired it up with a quick one, but uh, you know, this will be our first piece of content on YouTube and hopefully a lot more to come uh, under the, we'll call it Circles Off banner or brand. Um, we're excited to be in video. We've got a nice little studio built up here. Audio quality, I can feel in this headphone, sounds significantly better. So fired up for that. What about you? It's a big change from doing the typical Zoom uh, calls that we've had. Where like me and you are cutting out, we got to pause, edit things together. This is much better. I know. And when we get guests, toss them up on the big screen behind. I know. It's, it's a better. It's, it's clutch. A better I also do think that I have the better jerseys on my side as well, which I'm a big fan of. This, this Andrew Luck jersey is. I don't like the Colts, but I love the cleanliness of their white jersey. What are we judging best jersey on? Um, the actual the combo actual- of looks and players. Combo. The actual jersey itself or the like the better player? Well, obviously, like you have Aaron Rodgers on your side. I'd like the best player here of the entire bunch. We have some off camera yeah, that will... They we'll, can't see the off camera. They can't see it, but like we'll, we'll, we'll post pictures of them to our Twitter account so people yeah. can see. The jerseys, the jerseys for everyone uh, listening still, which is probably everybody at this point. Uh, <laughs> on my side, we've got a four. On camera, you can see two of them. And there's another two here at the side. But uh, we've got Odell Beckham Jr. on the Giants. You know, iconic jersey, the catch, whatever the catch. You, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he's not what he used to be now, obviously, as a player. But, but man, what a run on the Giants. Underneath him, on my side, this one's uh, more of one that it's, it's personal to me. May not be the best player in the league, but boy, did he have one great season. And that would be Josh Gordon, current Kansas City Chief and a former Cleveland Browns. Uh, Josh Gordon. Browns jersey. Why is, why is that personal to you? Like you a big marijuana smoker or what? No, no, not at all. Actually, uh, I um, I had him in fantasy when you had that insane year. Oh yeah, and uh, like I picked him up for like we did auction leagues, like a dollar bid, and he just went. He was suspended actually for the first two games of the year due to smoking marijuana and getting caught, and smoking marijuana, smoking weed and getting caught. What, which honestly, and, like whatever it was, was, is a really dumb rule. But yeah, maybe, but he still broke it. Yes, he but broke anyways, okay. he, he, he plays two games. He misses the first two games and then still ends up being like by far number one wide receiver. And it's just an insane year. So Beckham and Gordon, I guess you would say that, you know, they're still playing now, but the best years are definitely behind them. And then uh, behind me, if you're on video, you can see we've got probably the greatest running back of all time. Maybe the Danian Tomlinson. Definitely the fantasy Goat for, well, actually, goat. You know, I mean, there's a the running backs that were always like top of you can name them off the top of your head, but LT was always like near the top. Priest Holmes was always near the top. Um, we Maurice Jones Drew, who is on my side, hidden Maurice Jones Drew is a good one. MJD, but, yeah, but for actual jersey, this is the best. Jersey. I love the powder blue jersey, powder blue charge is the best. Yeah, jersey. it's great. I love the Chargers jerseys. I wish they had more fans, but <laughs> uh, and then lastly, we got Aaron Rodgers, um, you know. Probably potentially going to win MVP this year. Definitely MVP favorite at the time of this recording, Um, but absolute stud. So yeah, he's definitely the best player overall. Although it might not be the best jersey. It's just the green jersey. It's a pretty elite set of jerseys. Where did you get these from? I've been a sports memorabilia collector for my whole life. People don't even know this. Now I'm on cam. 
little more personal. I love sports memorabilia. I've been collecting since I was a kid. Kind of actually my first entry into like, you know, trading something. It's like, yo, buy, you buy this, like, oh my God, I can get this. And like other people are paying this much for it and I can sell it here. And uh, kind of like I was just a kid, uh, you know, didn't start with like a ton of money. Just like, you know, had a couple bucks saved up, Christmas money, you know, birthday money. Would buy some stuff I could find online, trade shows, things like that. And then um, via just like, all the apps like trading, you know, Kijiji, eBay, stuff like that was able to like build up a pretty solid collection. So, um, yeah, we got a bunch of like helmets and stuff too. We'll bring, we'll bring different stuff into the studio as we can, but, uh, go, what, what do you got on your side? You got to describe it. Well, I got Andrew Luck, the white Colts Jersey, which is one of my favorites and Andrew Luck, one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. Well, I just like the ruggedness of him at the quarterback position. Like, you know, when you think about quarterbacks now, you think about a guy just getting like love tap, you know, falls over, draws a flag and whatever. That's just not how I remember Andrew Luck. Like he was just not Joe Burrow either. Not Joe Burrow either, man. He takes some big hits, a lot of hits too. But I got Andrew Luck. I got Kurt Warner, who is a personal favorite of mine and probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever. Like just because his career wasn't that long in the NFL based off of when he started coming over from arena football, but Kurt Warner legend absolutely, and, and even more of a legend now that he wore that silver puffer jack puff jacket on uh, one of the broadcasts. Warner. Which, yeah. Warner's a legend. <laughs> that's amazing. And then the two that are off camera on my side are a JJ Watt Houston Texans. It's the red Jersey, right? That's behind me. Yep. Which that one's pretty elite. And the aforementioned Maurice Jones drew who I had the pleasure of meeting in Las Vegas once at an autograph signing at some sort of mall outside of the Venetian or something. What'd you get him to sign? I didn't, I didn't sign. I was like walking through the mall that day and he was there signing autographs as was Mike Tyson. This is like a regular thing. I think apparently at one of those. Well, Preston in the studio for uh, Preston, one of our uh, former guests we had on bets media, bets TV. um, He has a, a Mike Tyson punch out signed uh photo which is a, a cool statement piece i've seen a lot more people picking that up lately so it kind of blew up in the autograph sports memorabilia world because it's like it's not really tyson it's not like an actual thing at tyson it's just the the video game of that and it's like nostalgic for people who played that and also you get the autograph on it's so a great piece my um my first e- ever email addresses were based off of characters from mike tyson punch out and like i was so bad at creating passwords at the time that my passwords were literally part of it. Like one of my email addresses is like Piston 1986, which is for my what? birth year for Piston Hurricane, who is like a character. I don't even from, know any of these things. Yeah, and, my, and the password for that account was Hurricane as well, which I don't even care if like if that account still exists. You know, I can do anything with it. But yeah, that's like anyone who wants to find old Rob Pizzola accounts. And was be, it a Hotmail account? Yeah, I, it was. A, I'm pretty sure it was like a Yahoo account because that was could have been Hotmail. No my way. first so Hotmail account was Delgado the Champ at Hotmail.com. Is it Carlos Delgado? Carlos Delgado, Toronto Blue Jays legend. Delgado the Champ at Hotmail.com. I believe that was, I don't know if that was my first ever email address, but I think it was. <laughs> I don't even know. I never had any of these. So some of my friends did actually. I'll, I'll shut them out. No, actually, I don't give his email out. But yeah, my couple of my buddies had some funny ones. Um, there's numbers in it, so I'll just give out the email. But shout out my buddy Mark. His email, uh, Mark underscore Lincecum for uh, Tim Lincecum. Lincecum. <laughs> and then he had an alternate, Mark underscore McGrady. 
So that one was his uh, his alternate for uh, Tracy McGrady, obviously. But, you know, a lot of people, McGrady fans, Lincecum, I don't know, was he even good for more than a couple of years? Yeah, I think he had, like, probably a handful of years where he was elite, and then it just, like, went off a cliff. But that happens to a lot of pitchers. Yeah. He, was, he was definitely elite for, I don't have my laptop in front of me, but several years, so. Okay, so we will get into, uh, I guess, first we wanted to kind of, not necessarily announcements, but some segments that we were hoping to run on the pod now that we do have the video. Um, number one, this is Rob's idea. And I think it's going to be a really good one, but it's going to be called Tweets That Trigger Us. So, Rob, you want to explain kind of what this is and how it's going to work? Yeah, so I don't want to just... Uh, this, the point of this segment is not just going to be to put up tweets of people and make fun of them and berate them. There has to be like some sort of reason for doing this. And it's going to be to turn tweets that really bother me into educational pieces. So it's not just going to be tweets that I necessarily disagree with or whatever. There will be an educational sports betting spin. Uh, Everyone is fair game. Some of my best friends tweet things that trigger me. There's guests that have been on this show that tweet things that trigger me, who they will probably make appearances in the future. But we do want to get a hashtag going, which is hashtag TTTU. Very simple. Tweets that trigger us. First might, letter. We might each. change it. We might change not. it. But let's go with that for now. Um, if you do ever see anything that you think is going to get like really upset me from a sports betting perspective that I might be able to turn into an educational piece, tag the Betstamp account, use the hashtag. It'll be very easy for us to search it on a weekly basis and we'll use some of them for content in the show. But um, yeah, I mean, it just came to me as I was watching football on the weekend and seeing a bunch of stuff right before the game went off, which... W- related to some public bet percentages and reverse line movement and if you're betting the game now and so on and so forth and just a lot of stuff I'd, I'd like to hone in on going forwards. All right. Well, that should be a fun one. And uh, I mean, can't wait to pick those up during the week. You know, a lot of times I wouldn't even say I get triggered by tweets. You know, read something and you just see like um, the amount of interaction that a specific tweet might get. And um, it's... Oftentimes, like it's detrimental to the people who are, you know, liking and engaging with that because they're they're really building um, their own kind of perception of sports betting yeah. off of, you know, someone who someone's tweet where even if the person is someone who's sharp at sports betting might be something that they're misleading or very, um, you know, incorrect info. And it, it's tough to see like, you know, 50 interactions saying like, yep, this is right. Got to follow this trend. Like should have listened to this trend that, you know, the Chargers weren't going to win. You know, even though like, you know, it, it didn't really have much to do with it. So we'll hope hope to bring up a lot of stuff like that. And like Rob said, it's not going to be uh, at any specific people or anything like that. Anything's fair game. Send us in, tag us. Um, we're going to fire them up on the screen. We'll make it happen. Um, we mentioned it last time. We also do want to do at least try out the second screen experience where we might live stream, um, you know, maybe with an NFL playoff game or something like that. And I think we all could all agree like the commentary right now is is in a pretty much um, pretty, a, a really mixed phase where some of the commentators are, are quite good. Um, a lot of them I don't think are, are too good. It's a lot of, um, you know, they bring up the same things over and over again. Talking about like, ah, oh, it's the analytics and then they'll go through the fourth down debate and then it'll be a different thing. Ah, oh, should he have go for it? I, I would have gone for it. A lot of like bogus throwing out the rules experts, you know, aren't even really rules experts anymore. So what what we're thinking is potentially is making our own spin on like a little bit of commentary. Not going to be any play by play or anything like that. But we'll give our opinion on kind of like what's going on, different decision making, what people could do, uh, and you know if it's if it works, it works, and we'll stick with it. If not, then uh, we might scrap it after a couple uh, after a couple of tries. But 
either way, looking for feedback from you guys. And we hope that um, that can start pretty soon with, um, you know, as soon as the first NFL playoff game. I, I think the Manning cast really changed things for me in terms of watching football games where it's just like two guys, obviously brothers, but two guys just hanging out, watching the game like they would at home. It's very laid back, very casual. I'd like to try to recreate some of that experience. Obviously, we can't live stream the NFL games. There's, you know, we're prohibited from airing the games. But I think there is something about Without just... Without express written consent, of course. Right. Which we won't won't obtain. Well, we can ask. Yeah, we could. I'm, I mean... Let's see how, let's see how much it costs <laughs> before we say it's off the table. True. I should it, I, I shouldn't never say never. I mean, it's a, that's a lesson in sports betting as well, or it can be applied to sports betting. But uh, yeah, that's changed things for me quite like quite a bit in terms of the way that I like to watch my Monday night football games. And, you know, I don't want to hear Brian Greasy advocating to kick a 56 yard field goal anymore on first down and late in the game. Like he, he gets real upset when teams don't kick field goals late in games. Okay. What about the Cardinals Colts game? Third down and goal. Mm-hmm. Round 56. Don't please. If we were going to do a tweets that trigger us segment, this is definitely a moment that triggers me segment. Do people even know what we're talking about though? Like hundred. Well, we, I'll, I'll explain that the, what, what's going on here, but the card, the Cardinals are going to need a touchdown and a field goal to tie. They're trailing by 10 points. They get the ball back with four minutes and 16 seconds left in their own territory. I don't know if it was a, off a kickoff, whatever the 25 yard line or so. So basically they have four minutes and 16 seconds to make up 10 points which is very easy. You have two scenarios here. You basically have to kick a field goal before the two-minute warning so that you get that two-minute warning as an additional timeout, or you're going to have to score a touchdown or a field goal and and try an onside kick and get the ball. Now, the Cardinals did the absolute worst thing possible, which was drain as much clock as they could, get to third and goal, and then for some reason on third and goal, decided they were going to bring out the field goal team and kick with like 35 seconds left in the game. Yeah. When you could just take an end zone shot and burn no more than six to seven seconds and have an additional chance that that's your touchdown and then you only need a field goal. But, Bananas. but what's been advocated by commentators for years in the NFL is kicking on third down. Because what, what if you fumble the snap? What, what if something happens on the snap? Then you have the fourth down to still be able to kick. Well, okay, they have no timeouts left. So if they fumble the snap on third down anyways, they're draining way too much time. So first of all, that doesn't matter. The second thing is, when does this happen? Do you? I, I cannot recall a football game where they fumbled the snap on third down and it was like, oh, thank God, you know, like they have fourth down to kick the ball again. If it has happened, it's happened like less than, it's definitely happened less, less than a handful of times in like the last two decades. This just doesn't happen anymore. Very easy play. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. So. There's no, there's no, there's no explanation for this because, like, why would you? And even if you wanted to kick it on third down, like to end the game in overtime with a chip shot field goal, like I could see that being the case. Like, fine, let's just kick it. But in this scenario, like you still needed to get more points. This was barely going to waste any time. Like, if you were going to kick the field goal on third down, then you sh- technically should have kicked it like on first down. Right, right. You would have saved the time, the yeah. additional time. I know, but you like. Uh, I was just so frustrated by well, that. One of these days, someone will fumble the snap. Well, of down. course, it's they'll, going they'll to happen. Fall on it, and then everyone's going to say, "That's why you 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 snap it and try to kick it on third down because a scenario exactly like that." Two two of happen. my friends currently have a wager right now 
on whether or not a kneel down will be fumbled in the next decade. And this was about five years ago, this wager was made. Where some guy, I don't remember the exact odds, the exact, but all I know is that one of my friends is basically sweating every kneel down in the NFL now because of like the one time where Philip Rivers fumbled a snap. And this all started in a group chat where it was easily a kneel down play. One of my friends got mad at the other one saying the game's not over yet. Don't say the game's over, whatever. Don't say we cashed our bet. And he's like, there's no way they're going to fumble this snap. Right away, I'll make you a $1,000 wager that in the next 10 years, there will be a fumbled snap. I want these odds. So it's like a ridiculous wager now. (laughs) There is going to be no fumbled snap, but one of my friends only did this out of principle to make the other guy sweat every snap. He's going to sweat him out. But it's so tough to have a fumbled snap where they fumble it and then don't recover it. Because they're in the kneel down formation. They put all the guys there just in case as well. Someone will dive on that ball. It It happened once. It was the Chargers with Phil Rivers. If it happens again... It's going to be the Chargers because it's <laughs> that they are the team that would do that. Chargers, or I, I could see Kirk Cousins doing that. Like, there's only like a, a couple teams in the league where you can p- picture it happening. What about the Falcons? Falcons, yes. Like, if I had to make a, a, a tier list, the top three for me would be any team with Kirk Cousins, Chargers, because this always happens in Chargers, and Bears. But the Bears don't are not kneeling out enough. That's the problem, right? But the, it would totally happen to the Bears. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay, so we mentioned we, we're going to bring some more guests on. Uh, we got a long list of amazing guests that we have uh, planned for 2022. We would want to also thank everyone that came on in 2021. Might do a little recap uh, at the year end. But now that we have the new studio, we will fire up the video on the screen. So it'll be a lot more uh, interactive if anyone wants to, um, you know, pull it up on YouTube. And lastly, like another idea we had for the podcast was just to break down different betters and kind of betting patterns and things like that. So we talk about bet stamp a lot and exactly how to, you know, find winning betters and things like that. But like it's a no better time than now. We'll pull it up on the screen. You know, we have a, an upcoming episode where we're going to pull open uh, a couple of our favorite betters and do some analysis on like what they're doing right, what they may be doing wrong, what you can look for in a person um, just by their betting history, right? So we've talked a lot about this. This is going to happen 100%. We're excited for this. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the uh, the benefits of being able to do video alongside audio as well. And obviously, we don't want to lose the audio listeners either. So for those who are listening in podcast form, we will be like, pay very special attention to make sure that this is conducive on all platforms. I, I used to, when I first got into media, I started in radio. Eventually that radio show started to be simulcast on TV in Canada, uh, cross country. So I'm very familiar with having to appease two different sets of, um, it's not, I shouldn't say viewers cause it's not only viewers, but you know what I'm getting at. So, um, for those who are listening to the podcast and only care to continue to listen in podcast form, we will make sure that we do break it down so that it's, it's very clear for everyone. Yeah. We've got, uh, our editor here as well. Zach, uh, are you on mic or no? Yeah, my mic should work. All right, so we got Zach as well. He's a new, uh, I guess we'll call it an asset to the podcast. and be like our young Jamie for those uh, Joe, Joe Rogan experienced listeners. We'll be able to pull stuff up whenever we need, put it on the screen. Um, you know, we got a soundboard, I think. Like, you know, for listen, we're not going to make us a joke podcast, but 
you know how Rob said he he, he mentioned his email earlier, what the passwords were. <laughs> I know one guy who's gonna look that up right when he hears this, and Zach hit the drop. What happened to you, Pizzola? <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have some drops in there. That obviously being um, our friend from Italy. Regards from Italy, nice Francesco. From, regards Greco. from Canada, Francesco. Francesco, nice to see you. Um, and definitely, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, just make it a more fun podcast as well. So that's the summary. With that being said, you know, I think we're also gonna need a new table because or something angled because my neck is already. You're, you're you're like a hand uh, microphone in the no, hand I'm, guy. I'm done right now. Like I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I need, you're, I need you, you have desk. ADD or something. You're all, all over the place. What I need is you guys see this. I can't sit still right now. We need a desk right here for this mic, and then I can face the cams. I don't want to face angle cam. I want to see looking. Look, my then my thing doesn't. Hello, 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 hello. You know what? We're gonna make this work, but. First week, you got to bear with my necks in shambles right now. We're going to need a new desk for next week. Today, two amazing topics for Rob and I. Number one, we're going to go through is the absolute best way to purchase picks from somebody. Okay. Now, yes, we get it. Controversial. Don't buy picks. These guys are idiots. Don't buy picks. Why would they be pressing buying picks? If they actually bet for real, they would never get, they would never like, you know, recommend people to buy picks. Yeah, we know all that. Understood. What we're telling you is this. We're if you want to buy picks, which most people do, we're gonna basically break down process of elimination, what to look for, what you can look for, and how you can do it correctly. You know, buying picks is not the worst thing in the world. In fact, you can be profitable tailing other people's picks. We're gonna show you how. We're gonna just break down some things to look for. We've gone through in the previous episodes and we've basically explained what to look for in pick sellers. Um, so it'll be more of a similar episode, but right now what we're going to do is process of elimination from a pick buyer. How's that going to work? Um, and then when that's done, our, our second topic for today, which is a really interesting one for a lot of people, uh, more of a sharper topic is market manipulation. So this is betting markets often get manipulated just like every market. We're going to you know outline some examples, how it happens, and more importantly, why it happens. Um, we're going to show you exact examples of times in which this has happened. And, you know, hopefully it can teach you guys and everyone listening what it is and how to potentially use it in your favor instead of getting burned by it. So, Rob, with that being said, best way to buy picks, process of elimination, you're up. Okay, so let's start with this because it's important to note this and for other people that haven't listened to previous podcasts as well. Buying picks does make it more difficult for you to win. So just so people understand, when you're betting with a sports book, you're betting into a VIG, usually minus 110. You do have some reduced juice books as well, but you're betting into a VIG. That's where the sports book has the edge because they're charging you. You're going to have to now win at a 52.4% clip at minus 110. That's where the edge comes in, in into play. Now, when you add in buying picks on top of that is just another cost to overcome. Now, there's a lot of factors that put play into that decision. The amount that you're betting the amount that you're paying for picks, but it does make it tougher to profit. So I think there's a caveat there. I just want to share that. That doesn't mean that I'm opposed to buying picks. I've sold picks before. People know this. Sold the pick service for a year. Um, but that that has to be said. Now, for buying picks. Shameless. Shameless self-promotion of Betstamp. But one of the first things I would look for nowadays is third-party verified in some way. 
because I have tracked people's picks before prior to working for Betstamp. I, for those who followed me on Twitter for a long time, I had a feud with a few touts, Philly Godfather, Vegas Runner, who is now Johnny, whatever. Yanni the Greek. Yanni the Greek. Uh, where I tracked their picks for years and they were very different from what was posted on their website. So just because somebody posts plays on a website or a Google sheet or whatever, their Twitter account, there are obviously ways to delete those. It's very simple. If I, if I started a Twitter account and was posting plays every single day and I didn't have enough followers, I could go back to any previous day and just delete a tweet of losing plays. Very simple. If I run a Google sheet, I could do the same thing. If I run my own website, I can do the same thing. And frankly, there's not a lot of record. Even, even if someone were to catch me in the act and call me out, it's not getting to the majority of people that would be interested in buying my plays anyways, whether that's a Reddit thread or some sort of forum. So for me, the number one thing I'd like to see is some sort of third-party documentation, verification. Agree. Definitely agree. So process of elimination, we're saying it's not 100%. Nothing we say on here is a black and white. Hey, if they're not doing this, then see ya. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that is likely the number one thing you're going to learn is that if you like if they don't have that it's too many red flags so even bigger pick services now um you know stuff like right angle sports i'm sure we'll get into um you know has reached out to us and basically said you know we want betstamp as a third party verifier so everything that we put out we don't want to just post it out on our site um we want it on betstamp as well in real time so we've been able to do that um, and it just, it's basically an extra thing where like, if you have nothing to hide, then why, then why not? Like what, if you're trying to make a legit business of it, it's an extra layer of verification. It's hundred percent free. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of time and it's going to actually build a lot of credibility. So that's number one, even the big pick selling services, no excuse to not be, you know, posting on a third party verified app. Obviously recommendation would be Betstamp is we're the only one that allows you to verify against multiple lines and obviously have you know, a significant amount of other um, features. We reach out to a lot of totes ourselves. Betstamp does this. This is like a regular thing for us because we want to onboard people onto our platform and we want to be the source of the truth in terms of verification. I can tell you the most common um, objections we get, which are valid to the person who is saying them to us, but I don't buy them as excuses. The first is I'm just lazy. And I don't want to have to track the picks, which honestly, if you're buying from someone who is too lazy to document the record somewhere else, which takes quite literally 15 seconds to lock in a play, then I would be very concerned about that person's work ethic if I was buying from them in general. Not saying that you necessarily need to work so hard to be winning at sports betting, but like that would be a character flaw that I would say, I don't want to buy from this person anyways. The second is, well, if I publicly post my plays, then you can reverse engineer what I'm, what I'm doing. Somebody out there can say, okay, these are all the outputs. These are all the picks that so-and-so did. Um, I can produce some sort of model. Somebody can produce some sort of model that is able to replicate what I'm doing. While technically possible, I would say that it is extremely unfeasible for that to happen. They could always buy your picks and get that anyway. Of so. course. That's like, it's, 
so those are the most common reasons that we get. But to me, neither of them really holds water, any water. No, a valid reason is actually that you don't want the place to be released at all. Um, if you don't sell picks, we've talked about this last week. Like, it's a valid reason. If you don't want your picks out there for whatever reason, power to you. Um, but if you're selling picks and anybody can access these picks by via paying you in oftentimes a small amount of money, such as 10 bucks a month, you know, 20 bucks a month. If, if you're willing to give your picks someone for 20 bucks a month, then there's absolutely no you know reason that you should say, ah, oh, well, I don't want them out there because I don't want people to reverse engineer or anything like that. Like, if you can pay it and it's available for a subscription online, then, you know, like no, no excuse there. But it's, it, it's like, this is just common sense. And, and we're, we're harping on the first topic, which is like, but you, you would always do this. Almost everyone does this in other forms of their life. Like if I'm going to go see a movie, I'll probably check up, check out a movie review for that movie before I go. I don't want to read about it. And I'm not saying everyone is like this. If I'm going to go to a mechanic or something, I'm going to ask someone, like if somebody, either I'm going to get a referral from someone else who says, you know, I go to this guy and he's great or whatever, or I'm going to probably look it up on some sort of Google reviews. Like people seek out other advice. The challenge in this space is that a lot of the other advice out there is, excuse my language, but essentially a circle jerk of all these touts that are promoting one another. We're, de- uh, we're demonetized off YouTube. It's over. <laughs> it's this episode is getting demonetized first video but it's that's essentially what it is like i you see all these touts working together promoting one another there's it's just a a big marketing angle so with the third party verification there's nothing no one can pay us no one's paying us to alter their picks in any way that's not how our platform works period and there's other platforms out there i mean i'm not going to name them but really i think we do this the best Agreed. Okay, so next next up, process of elimination. So you want someone third-party verified. I think it's honestly a prerequisite at this point. Uh, if anybody at ever asked me, and people do ask me, what do I look for? That's got to be a prerequisite. If they don't have that, then I think for the majority of people, you should write that off. Again, like I said, it's not black and white. There are people who are not third-party verified who win. But if you're a new person looking in, um, chances are, you're likely to get burned significantly higher rate um, by somebody who's not third ver- third party verified. Well said. Yeah, it's no, th- these are not like 100% this needs to happen, but we're outlining what we would do in these scenarios. Okay, so what, what do you got next? Can go down a number of different paths here. This one's a little bit more complex, but I think it's important. And it's... Oddly enough, the manner in which they post plays or where they're posting plays. So for example, if I see someone tweet out a $100,000 screenshot of a play at Bovada, which is an offshore recreational square book, I know that one, the image could be altered or doctored Two, in order to get a $100,000 bet at that book, you have to be a long-term loser or a VIP for the, so a lot of these guys and girls out there who post screenshots, images at certain books and what the bet is and the bet size at that specific book 
reveals a lot about them as a better. Now, I understand that that's difficult for a novice or a rookie better or someone who doesn't know a lot about sports who's pick buying to decipher that. But there are clues in where they're, what sports books they're posting from, the dollar amounts if they're showing screenshots, the timing of the wagers is another one as well. Specifically, if someone posts, and we've talked about this on this pod before, but it's always easy to use LeBron James as an example because if LeBron James is out of a game, line is going to steam like crazy. Happens for star players in every sport. But if someone posts a play on that game two hours after the player, the injured player is announced out and says, I'm playing this because this player is injured. That is a dead giveaway that this person is not a long-term winner. So those are, those are a couple things for me. The sports books that they, they track at or play at, bet sizes at those books, and timing of bets. Okay, fair enough. I would add one more here if I'm going process of elimination. You, and it, it ties hand in hand with the verified record keeping, but outside of verification there, even if you just want to keep it on your own, the most important thing that I, that I would look for when trusting somebody who I might want to tail their bets um, is that they actually care about it in a like, and there's a few things that I can, that I can pinpoint, but Rob mentioned record keeping as one, like people being, oh, I'm too lazy to track these. If you don't have an ironclad pristine tracking sheet or something like that, or use something like Betstamp or even, you know, competitive competing apps. If you don't have something that tracks every single thing you bet, the exact amount you bet it, the day you bet it, what book you bet it at, all that stuff, then I don't necessarily trust that you're going to have the skills or the, you know, the ability to actually go through and beat the market. So for example, if you have someone who says, if you, if you say, yeah, I'm up, um, you know, I'm up 35 units attracted on, uh, on Twitter. It's like, well, what's, what's your breakdown of those units? Okay. What, what sport, what bet type, what sports book, all of these things are vital in actually determining, you know, different paths to success. So if you're constantly losing to one book and beating another book, that's a really big trigger. going to help you a lot. If you're constantly winning at one sport or one bet type or one, you know, prop type and you're losing at others, it's going to help you a lot to actually know that info. Anyone who's not willing to put in the work or have the capability or knowledge to actually go through, track everything manually and or via an app um, and just have it in there, there, it's it's essentially like buying something off of a business that doesn't have their books in order. You know, to be a reputable company, you have to have everything in order. You need to know like, okay, this is my cost. This is my profit here. This is what I can do. I can go down to this price. You're not going to want to buy off someone who's completely like to trust someone to give you a service when they can't even tell you like how many services they've provided or, you know, the quality of those services or where they might be going wrong. It's like, it's very muddy and, it's a, if you're serious in sports betting, you want to make money, got to just keep everything clean. Record keeping, huge, huge deal for me. That's a good one. I think, it, I mean, these are, these, a lot of these things are just monitoring a tout's behavior before you buy picks that will, uh, and, and I'm very consumed in the Twitter platform, not so much in the Instagram, TikTok space where there's touts on those platforms as well. But there's things I see like, Went 0-3 this afternoon. We're going to get it back on Sunday night football tonight. Discounted price, whatever. Chasing, right? To And then larger plays, larger play sizes. 
anything you can do to get that. I mean, this is what recreational betters do in general. Um, and there's a lot of totes that mirror that kind of behavior where if this wasn't a play for you this morning, why is it a play now that you've lost three games in a row? So there's dead giveaways like that. But the biggest one to me, um, where I think it's very, very easy to spot, um, winners and losers is the marketing trends that you'll notice from a lot of totes. So for example, someone who sells MLB plays and it's in the middle of MLB season and they're advertising like their all games record or some other sport, probably give away that they're not having a good MLB season. They don't even know it. They're trying to market themselves in some way where people will buy picks, but they can't market an MLB record, for example. Then you get the, you know, so-and-so is eight and one in his last nine NFL totals plays. Well, why did he, why did he pick nine, a sample size of nine? Like, this is a question I would ask myself, right? I'll tell you guys a little hint. It's for everyone. If anyone says they're, they've won eight of the last nine, guaranteed 100% of the time, that also means they've won eight of the last 10. Yep. Think of it. Yep. If you're one... <laughs> it's true. If, if you're 12 and one in your last 13, you're also 12 and two in your last 14. Every time. It, that is... I mean, I, I, I can't argue with that. It's not, like, I no, can't, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a revolution. Everyone knows no, no, this, but, it's, like, but it's yeah, hilarious. people cherry pick different things. I think, honestly, that's just marketing in general, so I'm not even mad at that. But um, you mentioned, like, when I even go back to this record keeping, like, it's not even about saying, oh, this is my, oh, I'm up this many units. Like, if you want to buy someone off, off picks off somebody, you have to literally say exactly, you have to ask them, like, hey, what's your record in this year? By sport, by bet type. Exactly how much was risked on that? What's your ROI on there? Not just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm a 50, 53% this year. Like 53% on what? Like 53% on straight bets, minus 110, 53% against the spread. Are you 53% on picking NFL favorites of minus 250 or more? Like it doesn't, none of this actually tells you anything if you just look at one line of record. You need to delve in to some sort of tracking before you actually go through someone. And if they don't have those plays documented, then it's like a th- immediate write-off right away. If they do have them documented, it's a lot of stuff we will get into still now, I'm sure here, that you can look through. But no document, no business for, for me. I agree with that. I think ultimately at the end of the day, there still needs to be a match between the the pick buyer and the pick seller. And when I say that, there, there are touts that I respect. Now, granted, these are the ones that the betting market respects. But there's some that I respect that are not in that no, no. are not necessarily public figures in the betting market. I agree. And it's not that it's not that I I respect a lot of totes that I personally think don't even win. And the reason I respect them is because they still go about it in an honest and open way. Transparent. Yeah. And and still keep the records and still try to improve. And then I do feel there's a significant shot that, you know, okay, I don't think you're gonna win this season, but you're on the right track and you know, a couple strides here and there, and you will be a winning better next season. You know what I mean? Have you ever come across that as well? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's it's and there's nothing that's just clear cut. Um, there's guys that long, like you said, and there's long term winning betters that are going to have losing seasons. Long term losing betters that are going to have winning seasons. There's always there's always some element of variance that has to be accounted for, and I mean that's not easy to do. Not everyone that's a winner is going to release a play and move the market. That's not the, the case. I mean, there's. It just doesn't happen that way. But 
here's what I'm saying. We've had Fabian Somer on this show, Suma, one of the earlier episodes, football handicapper, long-term winner, five seasons of documented record keeping, now tracks on Betstamp as well. And he's going to release a play. He's going to give everyone a heads up in a Slack channel. Play coming in five to 10 minutes. But as soon as he posts that play, people are going to rush to bet it for a good reason. He's a long-term winner. Everybody wants to back that play and get the best of the number. If I'm a guy that works nine to five, I'm in meetings for a lot of times in the day. I'm not checking my phone every five minutes, five to 10 minutes, not available to bet these. Then there's not a lot of value in me betting, picking that pick service. This is what I'm talking about the match with buyer and seller, right? If there's someone, for example, that I believe is a long-term winner is going to post his picks at the same time every morning, 8 a.m. I can bet them, go to work, don't have to worry about anything else. And that matches my lifestyle. Then maybe I'm going to go for it. So I think that there's like an element that's not accounted for in how am I going to get down on these plays? Um, and like, do I need to be available at all hours of the day? Is somebody going to send out, is, is my tout going to send me information saying, Carson Wentz just got announced out. Go bet, go bet the Las Vegas Raiders everywhere plus seven and a half, where it's not even on the board in most of the spots. Gets removed. Going to count it towards their record, and I'm just going to be like there. There are those match like those stylistic matches that I think are important. Yeah, there's two types of touts. There's touts where they release the play and you can get the number all day, or potentially even get a better number, which is obviously a huge red flag. And there's a, a touts that release a play and move the whole market. And if you're not available to get that in a short period of time, then you're likely out of luck as well. So like Rob's saying as well, it got to be a good match. I know right angle sports just released like a more of a light type package where they only release one play a day. It's at noon. So you can get on your lunch break, et cetera. And it's a good solution to something like that, where you have to have like, like time, the time is everything. If you're not betting all day, um, or sorry, I won't say if you're not betting all day, that's actually a mistake. If you're not available to bet all day, then you're obviously going to miss stuff. And everyone in the world has all alternate commitments. You know, no one just sits in front of the screen 24 seven. So everyone's going to miss stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's a big deal. You have to know like when, po- when play, like when the optimal time is to get stuff. If you, for example, subscribe to Sumo's picks, um, and you only bet them an hour and a half after he bets them or, or five hours after he bets them and you're just getting the updated market numbers, then despite him being, you know, a good tout, uh, who we feel potentially is, has all, like, checks all the boxes, I'm not going to say wins long-term, you know, has one in the past and checks all the boxes. Even despite that, like, if you're betting that hour and a half later, doesn't matter. You're going to lose. You're likely going to lose. So um, timing is everything. I'm glad you brought that up. You got to make sure you're a good match. You can get the plays right away on release. And you have to make sure that obviously something's happening when these are being released. And if nothing's happening when these are being released, you have to know why. Is it for a reason? Does that person release it to a few people who he knows are not going to move the market and then blast it after? Do, do they not bet it out themselves because they're being paid to not bet it out themselves because other movers are are blasting the market later? These are all big things. And you... I, I think you should probably be asking more questions when buying picks from someone that are not necessarily, do you win? Do you win? You're always going to get some sort of bullshit answer. It's always going to be yes. Should be asking about records. 
and you should be asking like where it is and where you can look through it on your own. And you should also be asking about the timing of pick releases, what happens typically after those. You can check. If you see a documented history, you can check what time that person releases it. That's why the tracking apps like Vetsamp are so good. You know, if you're in an Excel sheet, the chances are he's not going to write down the exact time of the day. It's not going to be a timestamp of when he released a play. It's going to say December 19, Chargers minus 6, minus 110, and maybe if you're lucky, puts the book. But if you're on Betsam, you're going to see book, time, timestamp, date. Um, it's going to auto-grade. You're going to see closing line value at the end of the week. You're going to see potentially in the future movement of how that line moved at the time when that was posted. So lot more stuff there as well. Well, and I think the timestamp one is one that I didn't think about, but it's extremely important because, you know, we go, we go through profiles on Betstamp all the time. I know at least I do. And you'll see people who are very successful, who are selling pick packages, but they are selling plays that what we typically call overnights or releasing the day before. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, winning at sports betting, you win however you're going to win. But if you're going to charge me a certain amount of money a month, I have to be able to justify a certain bet size to get down on those. If you if you are releasing plays on FanDuel openers, when they are the only book in market that's opening at that time, and they're coming up with a $100 limit, and then you're charging me 500 bucks a month for those plays, well, it's very unlikely that I'm going to see value on that in the long run. So that's another thing when it comes down to... Um, looking at the timestamps, when is this person betting? Are they betting into mature markets? Is it the day before? And like to each their own, you, there, there's, I'm not saying never tail someone who's betting into early markets. You just have to understand what your market is going to look like at that same time, right? Why, why am I going to buy picks off somebody who's betting FanDuel openers when I don't have a FanDuel account? And at the time when he puts out those openers, nobody else has some numbers on the board yet. What value is that to me? right? So that's where the timestamps come. But I think what it all boils down to is you need the, the enough information to make an informed decision. And when you have a full verified third party record with the individual plays, you can make that informed decision a lot easier than when it's just pulling up a random Google sheet, like you said, not timestamped. Uh, sometimes odds are not even correct. And it's like, or people who don't update those sheets for days or weeks sometimes. And then there becomes all sorts of issues. When you go logging a bunch of, when you go logging 100, 200 plays at a time, you get all sorts of data entry issues as well. Like this is just verified real-time stuff. So that yeah. that's it. That's what it's all about for me. Yeah. The other good thing about Betstamp is a lot of times totes will send like one set of plays to one subscriber base, one set to the other, just to, you know, manage risk within their subscriber base. With Betstamp, it's all like, you know, instant. It goes out to your whole subscriber base. No, no trickery there. But to your point on like the timing of the moves, I want to bring up one example. Like we've had both of the pro bet guys on here. That's uh, Harut and uh, Drew, who was on uh, just a few episodes ago. And what the thing with kind of like a style of betting that they're doing is like, you know, you could have access to every single play that they did and you can have access, you know, like five minutes later after they played it and it's not going to be valuable to you because you're not going to be able to pick up those numbers anywhere. You might be able to pick up, you know, a stale couple hundred bucks here and there, but the reality is they're getting ahead of numbers, right? So it's, it's not even like if, if they told me like, oh yeah, we want to sell picks. They would never even say that because they know that they can't, they can't possibly sell picks and still bet at the same time. All they could do is, you know, give give alerts or something like that, but it's never going to work because, you know, you could have access to their whole history. You can get everything to do. This, those guys win. Um, but 
it's not going to matter because you're not going to be able to get those numbers and not getting the same numbers uh, or not getting the best of the number is the recipe to lose afterwards. So, you know, if you had everything, even like I said, even five, 10 minutes late, the info is, is next to worthless. You know, we might be able to scrounge at a couple pennies, but that's, that's going to be the most. I think we've done a pretty good job on this topic. Just a lot of things to look for, but you have to do your due diligence, just like any case. If it seems too good to be true, it very likely is. Yeah. And on the Instagram stuff, like the, the funniest one that I could say is like most people, you know, Instagram's more of a photo slash video platform. It's so frustrating to look at this and it doesn't even trigger me anymore or anything like that. But like, don't get caught up in people who are like posting photos like on like with like an ocean view and like, you know, Gucci shoes and stuff <laughs> like that. And like, oh, sports, sports betting king. Like that, you can't do that. Like that's not, you're not going to be able to bet sports all day from the beach. Like you, you need more than one computer screen. Like you, you need probably... I would go ahead and say, like, if someone's betting on, like, one computer screen, one, like, just on their laptop, like, you're losing out on so much money to be made. Like, you can't just bet on one screen. There's no way they have a laptop on the beach, and they're just, it's not going to work like that. So, that being said, again, like, you know, those are all pictures that are pretty cool, and, you know, someone there, and they're like, I got these, like, Gucci flops, and here's my, uh, you know, here's my Mac with my iPhone, with my Apple Watch, airpods in the corner wooden case and then like i'm overlooking the thing with my gucci flops like you know probably not an actual sports better those people are you know buying into that image and that lifestyle and think like wow this guy must make a lot of money because he has that stuff but it's likely not the case well so. li- lifestyle tells you nothing about that person as a sports better like yeah. particularly as a sports better like that person could have made a bunch of money in the stock market they could be. They could have inherited a bunch of money from their parents, or just being born into a rich family, or whatever. That money could come from anywhere. Could come from their pick sales, just because they're very good marketers, which we know of a lot of people who are, uh, you know, clearing big sums selling picks that don't even win. And uh, I mean, that just feeds into it. I think a lot of people see that and they're like, "Wow, that could be me," you know, on the beach and and whatever. But uh, yeah, just don't get taken by that. Don't get taken by that. All right, so we're gonna get into. Our next topic, Zach. What? Uh, how much time are we at right now? Fifty minutes. We're at, we're at fifty. Oh, we talked for a while. Oh it's man, we're gonna have to cut some stuff out. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. We we don't really edit stuff out on this podcast. Um, you know, unless a guest or anything has asked us to in the past. But um, for YouTube, I don't know how it's gonna work. We might have to edit some stuff. I'm fidgeting like you would not, like you guys would not believe. For anyone who's on the uh, on the audio, I cannot sit still. I'm holding my mic. I need, I, we need a desk right here. Like well, you're, this is, you're, you're sitting on a folding chair. Yeah, no, this is it. We're getting new chairs and desk for next week. Like we'll put the orders in today. We got to get something. Who knows when it'll ship here, but I don't think I've moved this entire time. No, you haven't. He's a seasoned vet. Rob is a seasoned veteran of doing video appearances. He's obviously appeared on TV before and podcast, stuff like that. Radio gigs now appearing on cameo shameless self plug. <laughs> no, I am on cameo now. You Why can't you say that before Christmas? You what can you book me. I have I have been booked three times already. Zach, hit that drop, please. What happened to you, Pizzola? <laughs> I am cameo ra- now. I am raising money for charity. So whatever cameo doesn't I don't even know what cameo's cut is of the thing. I think it's like 20-25%. The rest of it's going to charity, uh, raising money for diabetes research and cancer research as well. So if you want to book me for a cameo, um, you can do it. I I'm 
you know, if it's, po I've done one that's a positive reinforcement video, which was nice. It's like, you know, you're going through a, a tough time, bad period variance, like keep, keep your chin up. If you want like the negative, you know, trash my friend. One guy's just like, please trash my friend for betting on Drew Locke, which I absolutely love doing that video. Even though I have Wait, people <laughs> might not even know what Cameo is. For anyone doesn't know, it's a platform. Oh, now we're giving a plug, free plug. Cameo sponsor us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we're giving a free plug. Cameo. It's basically a platform where uh, you can. I don't. Think, now I feel bad saying this. You can get shoutouts from celebrities. So not not saying that Rob is a celebrity, but he's I guess an influencer. He's definitely an influencer in the sports betting world. So you can basically pay this service cameo. What are you charging? How much is 20 it? bucks, 20 bucks. Okay. So for 20 bucks for a $20 donation to charity after cameos fee, uh, Rob will essentially make a video of whatever you say within reason. Within re so I denied one video. <laughs> one, one guy tried to sneakily, he, he, he sent me like a request on Sunday. It's like, please record a video with all of your NFL picks for next week. That, that was a, a hard decline. Like, come on. Like, I, I'm going to buy that for 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, come on. At this point, uh, I mean, I may need, might need to up my, uh, the amount that I'm charging if no, I'm going to do picks it. videos. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, but, uh, I think that's, that's funny. So yeah, you can get Rob on cameo. There's a lot of other people on there. I mean, I've, I've gotten it for a couple of buddies before that was pretty like actually hilarious. It's a great concept. So if you Just want to clear Rob to trash your bets, then go get him, go get him a cameo. Yeah. Trash your friend's in. bets, whatever to clear the air. Cameo reached out to me. So I want to make that explicitly clear. They emailed me, said, we're looking for sports better, sports betting influencers on the platform. Would you be interested? At first I said, nah, I don't think it's for me. They said, we know you do some charitable stuff. Would be a good fit. You can link it directly in app. Sales pitch is really good. So I'm there now. It is charitable. I actually do like doing the videos. So if you send a request, it's very likely I'll take it, but don't send me a request to give you my, like my picks for the week. That's not going to, I'm mad, not recording. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know we had that one. That's awesome. Okay. So we'll get into the market manipulation real quick then. So we'll try to keep this like 20 minute segment max. Um, so we can keep the podcast a reasonable hour. Um, so market manipulation, this is basically something that happens in all markets. Like I mentioned what this is. And, and before I get into it, I really have to explain kind of like how a lot of the new school sports books are posting lines in today's day. And then I can get into why you'll see that market manipulation. But what we mean by this is people betting, um, you know, potentially the wrong side of what they actually want in order to move a number and, you know, kind of like a little bait and switch, you know, you bait the sports book to hang a, a worse number, a more favorable number on the side you actually wanted. So then you can in turn get more money down on that other number. So in a quick example, if I could bet at a sports book and let's say there was, um, you know, let's say there were different accounts, right? So Rob's account, if he bets $1, he'll move the number 10 cents. And my account, if I bet $100, I'll move the, the number 10 cents. And on, you know, let's say Aaron Rodgers account, if he bets $100,000, you know, he doesn't move the number at all because they're like Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't bet. He's quarterback in the yeah. NFL. So basically what would happen is potentially you'd have like Rob and Aaron Rodgers working together and they would say, you know, I'll just call him Aaron for the purpose of this. A-Rod. A-Rod. So have A-Rod potentially bets at the actual A-Rod. Um, so we might have Rob partner with someone like Aaron and he says, okay, listen, I want to bet on, you know, 
the New Orleans Saints, and and I, right now the number is at plus three. So Rob, for one dollar, you can move the number up, and you can bet the other side of the Saints game. And when you bet that other side, we're now going to get Saints plus three and a half. And if you bet it again, we're going to get Saints plus four. So now Rob, for two dollars, can move that number, and now Aaron's account can now go ahead and hit the Saints plus four, which is a full point better. And all it costed was the $2 in loss that Rob hit at the worst numbers that gets now deducted off Aaron's share. And, you know, you make an average number that's slightly worse. In this example, obviously, moving a number for $1 doesn't exist. And then being able to play back for 100000 that would be an insane earn and you'd make a ton of money that way. But just for the simplicity of the story, that's kind of the numbers I wanted to use. So that's how kind of market manip- what market manipulation is. But, the, sorry, go ahead, Rob. Oh, no, th- th- this is, yeah. Like it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone else. So that's what I just want to start with. A lot of times what, you know, if, if you're a professional better, you're not getting down in one place. You're not just betting in one spot. You're betting in a variety of different spots. No, that's what I was going to get into. So let, let me, sorry, let, let me ahead. get into it then. Cause that's what I was going to, going to mention is right now we've, we've seen this a lot is, um, you know, we know that a lot of these new school sports books via regulated and a lot of the offshore sports books right now. They don't originate their own lines and they don't have a provider that just gives them the lines fresh. And what happens is they don't chart off their own action. We can give you a recommendation. We'll, we'll, we'll link one of Spanky's podcasts or potentially tweet it out after that does a good job of explaining how this works. But essentially what happens is these new school bookmakers don't move on their own action. So when Aaron bets 100,000, they don't move the number. They just take that position. The only way they move the number is if the person who they're copying the number from, which is some of the prevalent offshore sports books, mainly Pinnacle and Bet Chris, if they move their number, then these new school sports books are going to just move to copy that number. But what's happening is Pinnacle and Chris are actually charting that number. So they're moving based on, you know, the grading of this guy's account versus this girl's account versus this person's account. And the new school books are just basically moving on air is what they call it. So even if they don't write a single bet, on the number, but Pinnacle now moves that number, they're going to move that number directly without taking a hit. So now what happens is if you can get your hands on like a couple of these accounts, or if you, if, if somebody has, you know, big time accounts where they can move a lot of money through some of these books that are quote unquote copying the lines, what happens is they can now play the books like Pinnacle or Chris the other way um, wait for those other books to copy. And a lot of the pay-per-head shops are like this as well, where they'll just copy on air without actually having any, um, you know, any actually, like, without writing any action. Um, and what will happen is you'll be able to basically move a number 5, 10, 20 cents one way for a small sum of money and then be able to play back on the other side a significantly favorable number when you basically cost average it together you're getting a significantly better number that's usually a plus expected value play and an earn in the range of, you know, almost half of what your your bait was. So you might be able to earn like, you know, even potentially up to 5 or 10% um, via this method. So that's market manipulation at a rough, you know, in, in a rough go. I guess that's like a two, three minute description of it. We'll link Spanky's podcast. He does an amazing job of explaining a little bit more about what this is and why it happens. Rob wanted to come to you for any comments. You know, where do you see this in the in the space right now? It's getting less prominent, at least in major markets. Um, this is just me speaking 
basically out of my ass from my own personal experiences and just watching the markets that I bet in particularly. But uh, a lot of these fakes now would get picked off. Absolutely. So what that means is um, you got so many people who are watching the screen, they see Pinnacle's number move or Chris's number move. And they're like, hmm, is this a real move or does it look and smell fishy to me? If it does look and smell fishy, I'm going to bet back on the opposite side because there's value in the opposite side. And I know that. So it doesn't happen as much as it used to. Um, Definitely. I know when I first seriously started getting involved in betting and was betting um, larger amounts, you'd see it be much more prominent um, in the markets that I bet at the very least. Props markets, you see it happen all the time especially props markets. Um, you have an offshore, which is five dimes, which originates a lot of prop markets for auto racing, for example, where you would maybe see a lot of other PPH accounts um, or regulated books just copy five dimes NASCAR head-to-head matchups when they open, for example. So from that point of view, you basically could bet at five dimes for... If your fl- your count is flagged as sharp, or even if it's not, if you keep betting the prop enough times and move the entire market everywhere to a range where you have significant value on the other side. So that still happens quite frequently. Um, eventually, you know, that kind of edge dries up. People start to realize what's happening. But I have seen that over the course of years. That's not even a market, market I pay attention to and I see that. But um, I think typically what's happening now is you will if you if you're thinking about faking manipulating a market I'll say fake I say faking all the time it's the same thing essentially faking the line faking the line you have to think in the in the sense of would I be able to get away with doing this now so you start to see like a little bit of disguise an element of disguise now where it's much tougher for other people to pick off whether a line move is happening. Like, for example, I'm a hockey better. Bet a lot on hockey. If a backup goalie is announced in a game and I want to bet it, I'm going to bet it. I'm not going to go fake that line the other way because it's going to be very obvious to anyone who's following that the line is moving in the opposite direction. This makes absolutely no sense. Why would they be betting on the backup goalie? I'm going to just be stuck with a bad bet in that scenario. Let's say in this case, though, I think the backup goalies may be an upgrade or something. And market hasn't reacted to that in the past. That'd be an excellent time to fake it. So you're starting to see things just be a little bit smarter now, where it's not as easy for someone who's just sitting at a desk watching lines to be able to immediately pick it off. Yeah, the best fakes are obviously, I mean, it's this. No surprise, but the best fakes are when you can actually trick some other professionals as well. Exactly. So if you can get some other people, like Rob's example here, you know, you have a backup goalie starting. Backup's actually an upgrade over the quote-unquote starter. So you bet the starter out, and everyone starts thinking like, wow, this starter's a huge move. This book just moved here. Starting goalie's out. We got to hammer this. They will now clean up the board for you, move everywhere else, and then you can now hammer back at a better price. So obviously that's like an ideal fake is if you can, you know, essentially fake out other professional betters, not just the sports book. If you fake out other professional betters, they're going to move the whole market for you and you'll be able to play back significantly high, uh, higher profit. So that's with, with, 
you know, less, less investment into the fake. I think um, obviously this is not going to impact 99% of people or more, but I, I think it's an interesting topic because um, I mean, we get a lot of questions about it. It's come up in actually our, our Q and a, um, which we've been saving some questions for a while frequently. So it's worth going over. Um, I just think, you know, a lot of times I see this on my Twitter, I, I guess it could go into the tweets that tw- Twitter trigger us at some point as well, but it's like, somebody's betting this game, they must know something. Somebody must know something about this. I mean, a lot of times that's just somebody manipulating the market. The timing doesn't make sense to you. Why would somebody be betting this on no news or whatever at like three in the afternoon? Because they think that they could probably get away with it at that time. That's the reality of it. I'm not saying that's a guaranteed rule. There are no guaranteed rules of thumb, but the goal of, of manipulating the market, faking a line, is to be able to get down even more at a better price on the side that you like. That is the end goal. And for the vast majority of people, they're not betting enough to need to do this or to ever even consider doing it. It makes no sense. Why am I going to bet $8,000 at Pinnacle to move a line? Well, you're doing that if you can get you know 150 on the other side at some point in the variety of accounts that you're betting at, whatever your entire market is. But for the average person, it makes no no sense to do that. So... Um, I think that's pretty decent summary there. Still happens. I still see it. I, I, can, I can still spot them in sports I don't bet. The easiest ones to spot are baseball because it's very, it's not often that you'll see, like there's a kind of a dead period in the day of baseball, right? Think about the sport in general. Limits come, circles come off in the morning, which means that limits open up. It's a, everyone's betting into market. The line kind of settles after an hour where people think it should be. There's no new information that's coming out between then and lineups coming out. But every now and then you'll see like 11 in the morning, 12 noon for the night game. Line starts to shift in one direction. You're like, who's betting this now? Now, it could just be someone betting it now with enough money to move a line. But you like, you, you pay attention to that stuff, right? You keep track of it the timing of the bets. You start to see it happening over the course of, of, of many days and somebody coming in on the other side, well, you know, it's probably manipulated in some way. Yep, agreed. Because it's, it's, not even, it's not even about necessarily the timing of the day. It's more just like picking up on patterns around. So you might be able to spot one fake one day and then the next day you're like, oh, that, that happened last time. And then what happened was the line ended up moving the other way right after. And then like came in on this book. This book faked it twice and then it moved the other way right after. And if you could pick up on stuff like that, you don't even necessarily need to like blow up the fake at that book. You just use the info to your advantage. Well, that's th- that's the most frustrating part, I guess, of the manipulation is when your your fake gets blown up, meaning that you're trying to move market to get a, a, a bigger bet on the other side. Someone notices and they just immediately bet back the other side where it's like, why don't you just get down like quietly as well? You know what I'm saying? That's the frustrating part. I think a lot of times it's out of spite, if I'm being completely honest, where somebody just says, I think I know who's moving this one way. I don't like them. I'm just going to bet the other side and, and mess up their market. Happens. Happens. Yes. Okay. So that has been the first ever Circles Off video episode. Podcast? No, don't. Let's not call it that. That's like. I, well, people call it like vlogs. Vlogs, okay, fine. I guess it's fine. But like a vodcast, I don't. Even, I've never even heard that before. I listen to 
I listen to a lot of podcasts. Never once heard of the vodcast. I'm, I'm maybe, more maybe, maybe we're <laughs> maybe we're coining the vodcast then. It's a video podcast. What it doesn't what doesn't make sense about vodcast is what I don't understand. What, you think Francesco Greco would come on an episode? He would 100% come on. I don't know what we would talk to him about. He bets every single favorite in Serie A every single week. Okay, we'll ask him why. Yeah. His bet his bet um sizing is very interesting. Lots of $10 bets and then like a $1000 bet, which by the way, I can confirm is actually the way he bets, which is even funnier. That's how I, like okay, well let's let's save it for when he comes on. Uh we'll close off right now, but yeah, I'm down to, I'm down to have him on. I know One day we'll have him in studio. If he comes here. He's been here before. I've met him. Yeah, you've met him. I've never met him. Yeah, me and me and a, a friend Todd went out to dinner with him once. Uh yeah, he's 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 a normal dude, man. I don't know. I still have a fear that he might murder me in person one day. Like this is like a long con. He came out he came out to seem very normal and he's like, Pizzola, come visit me in uh where is he from? I can't remember. He's gonna be so upset if he's listening listening to this and I can't remember where he's from. Which part Seven of listening and now Savona, come visit me in Savona. I have my guest house waiting for you. We remodeled it and whatever. I'm like, well, this is where I go to die, I think. <laughs> but it'd be a real long con if if that's what happened. Like what happened to you, Pizzola? <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, we'll close it off there. Thanks to anyone who watched on YouTube. Uh, I'm not sure we're gonna get like a ton of views off the bat, but the audio has been great. Please, you know, I guess the ask for this one is go to YouTube, subscribe. Even if you don't want to watch on YouTube, if you support the podcast, if you support the podcast, then please, uh, you know, go to YouTube and support us and subscribe, like the video. Thanks everyone. Uh, appreciate it. And we'll see you guys uh, next week.